This is Sportsnet 650, and you're entering the chat room at Tyrant Studios downtown. The chat room is presented by West Coast Dream Machines. Now open on Clyde Avenue in West Vancouver. West Coast Dream Machines, offering pre-owned luxury, muscle, classic, and rare and exotic vehicles with in-house leasing available. They carry the finest lines like Ferrari, Lamborghini, and McLaren. Check out their extensive collection at wcdreammachines.com. Now, let's get to the chat room. Here are your hosts, Joe Leary, Danny Filipponi, and Aaron Chapman. It's a brand new concept. It's called the Chat Room at Tyron Studios in downtown Vancouver, broadcasting on Sportsnet 650 AM, 96.9 FM, HD3. I'm Joe Leary, along with Danny Filipponi and Aaron Chapman. Now, we're all connected. You guys are closer connected because... Aaron is one of the, I call you a noted historian. Well, that's very kind. That sounds very official. (laughs) You're showing up in a tuxedo or something. But you've been chronicling Vancouver's history in a number of venues and a number of areas. I know you were also a restaurant. You're sort of exploring the restaurant. That's for future stuff even. Yeah, yeah. but I'm born and raised here, and and I've written about Vancouver history, sometimes the underbelly of the city uh, and the history some people don't know about, I suppose. Isn't it a little melancholy when you drive by something? Because I'm born and raised here. I think we're all locals, right? Yeah. And when you drive by something and you reflect back, oh, geez, I remember that used to be such and such. And it's gone now. Well, I was I was like that when I was 22 years old. You know, like <laughs> you know, the, the city's changed so much yeah. over the you know last few years, and and in ways that other cities haven't. I think so. It's interesting. This this the history of Vancouver happens before your very eyes. And I always tell people, if you lived here five years, you're pretty much a Vancouverite because the DNA of the city has changed so much. You know, we have we haven't done the best job of of uh, of keeping the old in Vancouver as much as we have. You know, like in other areas. So. Yeah, the city's always changing, and it's a fascinating place, I think, to live because of that. And home base for our show, the yes. chat room, is Tyron Studios, which is housed in one of the most historic venues in Canada. Yeah, certainly the is. Yeah, the penthouse is, uh, I'm, anyway, very happy that you guys are here. It's a uh, long time overdue. We've been sure. talking about this uh, for a while, and uh, and now we're making it a reality. You know, the penthouse has been around since 1947. I mean, re- really, 47, we were even open before that. Mm. <laughs> Want to go back, we have photos uh, from 1939. But uh, the penthouse is a Vancouver institution. It's been here forever, and I've been working here myself almost now, going on almost 44 years. But um, Aaron and I go back away. I, I, he wrote a book about the penthouse. We've done lots of movies and shoots here. I know, Joe, I've known you for many years, yeah. and to connect here and to get some guests in and, and how's it from Tyrant Studios is really, really cool. And, and, we're, all, and we're all sports fans. Uh, we're yeah. all sports fans. <laughs> and and the, the show will be chatting with sports people, uh, you know, past and present. But I want to tell one little story because I just actually chronicled your story for Jessel Magazine. If you get a chance to pick up the latest issue of Jessel BMW Magazine. Looks great, by the way. It wow. is a wonderful story. Well, I'm, I, it doesn't, I mean, it's a, it's a story that reads on Danny. Some great pictures. There's one in particular because if you're a fan of old history, if you're a fan of nostalgia, Sammy Davis Jr. and Sammy Davis Sr., this sure. is how far back the picture goes, photographed here in the penthouse. And this was at an era when Sammy could not get a hotel room in Vancouver because of the color of his skin. Yeah, that was the situation. You know, there's many many stories. We kind of have this feeling that some of those problems, those race issues, might have been in, only in the in American the South. South. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. But, but, you know, there were, there were places here in Vancouver where, you know, Louis Armstrong was not accepted at the, at the Hotel Vancouver. And it was actually the Filipponi brothers who said, you know, phoned down there and said, look, you know who we are. There's going to be problems uh, if you don't give our friend a place to stay. And oftentimes they wouldn't say no. So they had to, you know, Sammy Davis Jr., Louis Armstrong, people like that were put up at the house next door next to the penthouse and ate spaghetti dinner with the family. And yeah, stuff like and, that. and and one of the uh, one of the cool things about the penthouse, even to this day, are the photos that really grace the, yeah. the, the walls. These photos 
were lost. I, we call it lost in time. They, I, I'd asked my dad prior to his death in 07, where are all these photos that I knew existed? And they were lost. No one knew where they were. It wasn't up until around 20 years ago when we were doing some cleaning in the office next door and we uncovered this, um, the, what we call this, uh, uh, you know, a hidden masterpiece. It was, it was four screws behind a wall. And we, Secret we, panel. It was, I, entered, I, entered, I took a screwdriver and took off these four panels. And, uh, you know, growing up in Philippine, not knowing what was behind the wall, trust me. <laughs> and we opened up and it was this big duffel bag. And, yeah. and when I was talking to my dad on the phone, the first thing that came out of his mouth when we found the duffel bag was, whatever's in there, we're going to split 50-50. <laughs> and really what was in there was these photographs that had dated yeah. back to the 30s. And they weren't just photographs of people in the penos. They were photographs of Vancouver, of, of the city, of, of sports people who used to come in here crazy legs hirsch oh, uh, so uh, joe cap uh, you name it all the celebrities and and then of course you got all the sinatras and all the mills brothers so to have these photographs in the club in 2023 is just truly amazing now i also mentioned that you two conduct regular tours guided tours uh of the penthouse and the history good and bad and including a couple of police officers actually raided when your father was running the operation yeah, a tour was created uh, by a company called forbidden vancouver yeah uh, they have walking tours, and our tour, Secrets of the Penthouse, has been going on now. We're in its 10th year, right. and it, we usually do one tour a month, and Aaron and I lead the tour through the building. It includes Mama's Spaghetti uh, a recipe and a jazz band plays, and we take you all throughout the building, with, uh, and it's really something. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, quickly, I've got to ask, have you scoured every square? Is there any oh. more hidden panels in this building? Well, I would tell you there's, uh, there's probably... Uh, the building is huge, and... I'd say there's about 455 hiding spots in this building. It connects you from to the house next door to the rooftop, and uh, there's still some secrets of the penthouse that we don't know about. I it, mean, in, even in the case, Danny, when you were working here, there was a guy upstairs with the banquette up there who stashed some money. Yeah, uh, you know that story. You know, or, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the show that uh, was filmed here. Um, intelligence. intelligence. Oh, intelligence. Yeah, there's been there were so many things that uh, is is it said to be haunted. Yeah, we've uh, we've done a, a number of. No, I'm not one who really believes in ghosts, but we've had companies come in here with more equipment than you could imagine. They've stayed here overnight. They've done all their thing, and we've heard all these um, all these noise and stuff. I will tell you right now, there are things that go on at nighttime and noises that they've captured and sounds that are undisputable. So uh, have incredible. you have you been here by yourself late at night yeah. and you get a bit of the yips because it's just kind of eerie? About 12 years ago, uh, the bar closed at 2 in the morning. Everyone had gone. Normally, I walk out with the staff. This instant, I, had, I was in the bar all by myself and the lights were out. And I was just tired. And I just put my feet up on a chair and I remember cracking a beer thinking, boy, that was a busy night. And I was dead silent in the penthouse and I heard my Uncle Joe. I heard him. I heard his voice. I, I was not hearing things. I was not inebriated at the time. And I remember going home, um, telling my dad that I heard his voice. I heard something backstage. I'll never forget that. It is the new concept, the chat room at Tyrant Studios from the penthouse in downtown Vancouver. It's powered by Terramana Tequila, powered by Wild Eye Brewing, and powered by Forbidden Vancouver Walking Tours. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk a little wrestling, a big event coming up at the Rickshaw yeah. at the end of January. And when we return, one of the legends of sports broadcasting in this town, oh, so the good. Moj. Moj is in the house. Be right I love back. It. 
West Coast Dream Machines, a carefully curated collection of luxury, muscle, classic, rare and exotic cars built from three decades of sourcing expertise. A different kind of supercar showroom. 1519 Clyde Avenue, West Vancouver. Look, salivate, order, lease, purchase, finance. Get behind the wheel of your dream Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, Rolls, Mercedes, McLaren, Aston Martin Machine. West Coast Dream Machines. WCDreamMachines.com. 778-606-FAST. Our cars are faster. You're listening to The Chat Room at Tyrant Studios downtown, and this is Sportsnet 650 AM, 96.9 FM, HD3. The Chat Room is presented by West Coast Dream Machines on Clyde Avenue in West Vancouver. West Coast Dream Machines is Vancouver's supercar dealership, offering pre-owned luxury muscle, classic, and rare and exotic vehicles with in-house leasing available. It's a carefully curated collection of premium rides, exotic cars, luxury vehicles, resto mods, and modified muscle cars all shipped worldwide they carry the finest lines like ferrari maserati lamborghini and mclaren check out their extensive collection at wcdreammachines.com now back to the chat room and again your hosts joe leary danny filipponi and aaron chapman and we welcome you back to the chat room at tyrant studios it's the hottest new program concept joe leary along with danny filipponi and Aaron Chapman, and we promoted the fact that we, we, we decided to do the show. We wanted to have a nice sports angle and a good lead, a good hook, sort of get people in. Yeah. So we went for one of the godfathers of sports in Vancouver. Ladies and gentlemen, the Mo. Oh, yes. The, Mo, the man, the legend. Bob Marjanovic. Godfather, wow. <laughs> hey. Become a godfather. How much tequila have you guys had today? <laughs> well, we're powered by Terramana tequila, but, yeah. but not yet. But I want to say, because we have all known each other, and I've known you for a good long time. I had the pleasure of working with you at the, the late grade 1040. But when I first met you, it was to our all-mutual friend, Greg Douglas. And I think you were... Were you contributing to Sports View? Sports View. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was a paper way back in the early to mid-90s. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but you came off the field. Like you were an, you're an ex-football player. Did you ever have the desire? Did you think one day I want to throw the headset on and become a broadcaster? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because um, I coached football at UBC for five years after I played, and uh I just started, I had this itch. I mean, uh, I was listening to Dan Russell all the time, and I was like, I can do that. Right? Dan really inspired me, right, in a way. Right. Um, and I just, like, I wanted to talk sports. I love talking sports. And I actually wound up leaving Sports View, and then a short while later, Dean Washington, the, the owner of it, um, said, hey, we want to do a, a radio show. So I was like, okay, so let's do a radio show. And we were on 1040 when the late Ron Dixon owned the station. It was CKST. And then, of course... Uh, the team came along, and the good folks at Chum, and, you know, we started 1040 way back in, whatever, 2000. I worked as a producer for the first six months. I was producing Carson and Triano, and then myself and Dave Pratt took over the afternoon show in 2000, like in the, the fall, and the rest, as they say, was history. Now, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the, the Pratt and Moj era, because it wasn't always <laughs> sunshine and rainbows, yeah. my friend. There were episodes, I remember one yeah. day, because I was down the hall, yeah. and I think, you didn't you physically leave the studio during no, commercial Dave, break? Dave, Dave, Dave left. Yeah. So it's funny, because d- there's, there's always this big discussion about Donnie and Dave and the poker, the poker discussion. Yeah. We had a, a blow-up, and what had happened was that Dave was kind of at war with Brian Burke by that point, right? And it was at the end of the year, and we kind of 
had differing views on certain things. And then Dave was, he said something like, well, you're afraid to, to talk about the Canucks in a negative way. You're going to the media party tonight. And then I kind of went, oh, really? I go, I'm not afraid. I said, hey, I, you know, I've been critical of the team and talked about, you know, what happened in the playoffs. And then I threw the, the bomb out there. <laughs> I said, you're just afraid to be in the same room as Brian Burke. Well, he loses <laughs> wow. it. Right? Like, he snaps. He's like, Dave just, yep, that's. He used the BS word. Yeah. And then he got so angry, like, during the break, he threw the headset off. He went down the hall. Remember Claire? Yep. The, the I can't remember her last Clara name. Clara Caratanuto, the music Thank director. Thank you. She yes. would she always, like, the, and she was like, her office is right there. And, like, she's just, like, horrified, right? Because, like, Dave and I are, like, and I, I, they I make say, a long story short, we, yeah. I, we did, the next day, we like uh, Robbie Gray gave us the week off. Yeah. It was the I, same I gotta thing. I got to say, as a listener, you know, just driving my car, and that was obviously one of the go-to shows. That moment when that all sort of went down, I literally stopped my car. It was one of the funniest <laughs> yeah. moments. You know, for, for a listener to be driving and actually hearing the, 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 the commentators so that you can see they were really going after one another. It was, it was compelling, wow. it, especially the subject they were going. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, but uh, yeah, miss those uh, controversial arguments on the. Well, the thing is, because we're always instructed in broadcasting, like we all like each other and we all get along, and for music station, we're playing the best music whether we like it or not. That's what we're ingrained to do, and it's nice to know that yeah, you can have pissy moments where you hate each other's guts. It also makes for gra- very good yeah. radio. But you and and Mr. Prater on good terms now. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know the the crazy thing is, it's kind of funny because Donnie Taylor and I always talked about this having worked with Dave. When we started with Dave, and especially with myself being a younger person at that time, you're talking like 2000, right, 23 years ago now, and the the one thing was that I was so into sports. And I think as a young broadcaster, young show host, you're so focused on sports. And Dave was always like, "It's guys, it's a show. It's about entertainment, right? And Donnie and I both talk about the fact we kind of didn't get it when we worked with Dave, and then, you know, afterwards like you know down the road as you mature you kind of go ah yeah right like you know and i'll give you an example right i mean donnie and i we would broach some of the craziest dumbest subjects and it would have like the most response you know what's the best condiment for a hamburger right i mean nobody wants to talk about the connect power play hey relish this that and like you know the, the inbox exploded and, like, when we were younger, I think if something like that came along, we probably, no, no, we've got to talk about the Canucks. And then as you get older, it's like, I haven't talked about the Canucks enough. Yeah. You know, what is the best condiment on a burger? <laughs> that right? was some of the fun, yeah, of the yeah. show, what you guys were doing. Yeah, for Yeah, sure. like, I mean, and I look back at, you know, some, and, you know, if you look at all the great clips that we've had, and I know they did those countdowns on 1040, I think, like, three-quarters of them had nothing to do with sports. Yeah. It was just some goofy stuff that we started talking well, about. Well, that's just it. Like, I, I look at the Dan Patrick show. Dan, to me, is the ultimate sports radio host. He'll have sports guests and big-name sports guests, but it's not entirely sports-centric. Yeah. You know, you can have a Tom Brady on your show. Yeah, we can talk about Super Bowls all you want, but let's find out other stuff about sure. Tom Brady. And I think that's the magic yeah. of, of sports talk radio. Yeah, like, it's like, you know, what's it like being a dad right now? I mean, I, I'm, I'm an Uber driver. I'm a floating ATM, right? Yeah. I mean, just stuff that a lot of people can relate to right it's like donnie always had the great line he says what are they talking about in a locker room today or in a dressing room right like guys before they go to date rinks right they're not gonna be sitting there talking about the canucks power play they'll be talking about do you see the halftime show last night at the super bowl or whatever yeah. the case may yeah. be, right so. I, I will say the the bc lions were an incredible fun story this year you know considering yeah. what, what they went through the year before and and you know, losing their quarterback, and then of course, get. It, it, I thought it was just, uh, and the fact that they just re-sign all the coaches 
and everyone yeah. to come back for another year, I mean, that's got to be really encouraging. You know, the the one thing, like, I'll get to the big picture in a second, but very quickly, I think one thing that kind of got lost in the mix this year with Rick Campbell and the coaching job he did, I, he got my vote for coach of the year in the Western Division. Yep. And the reason why, they lost their starting quarterback, they lost their starting yep. running back, and their best old lineman in Joel Figueroa, right? Those three pieces off your offense, nobody kind of really talked about that. Yeah. And they just, you know, they didn't miss a beat. Well, whatever, they went 15 games, whatever the case was, or 13 games, pardon me, 13 and 5. And the the cool thing about the Lions now, it's with what Amar Doman is doing, they're hip again. People yeah. are talking oh, about yeah, the Lions. 100%. People are excited about mm-hmm. the Lions. And it's really, really cool to see. And the big thing is because Amar has a vision, right? Yeah. I mean, he's got plans. And the other thing, too, it People are excited to work for him, and I'm talking about people within the organizations because, you know, he'll listen to ideas, and then he'll act upon those ideas, yeah, no, right? He's, really, he's clever. And having that uh, game uh, in Victoria coming up this yeah. year, yeah. I, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they did the Touchdown Atlantic series, but, again, that's more of a CFL initiative. This Touchdown Pacific series that they're going to have with Ottawa coming to town, that's more of a Lions initiative, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the real driving force behind that is Dwayne Vanneau, the president, because Dwayne, when he was with the league, did the Touchdown Atlantic series, right? But So now coming into Victoria, it's Touchdown Pacific, and it's it's not a league thing. It's more of a Lions thing. So, again, looking to expand the, the brand in B.C., and they always talk about it. It's B.C.'s team. It's not Vancouver's team. Yeah, I not. mean, you see some of the stuff they've done with – you know, bringing in busloads of people from Kamloops or the island or Kelowna or whatever. And they're not making money off that, but what they're doing is they're engaging their fan corps. Well, I must ask, because Mar Doman has brought uh, a new interest to the BC Lions. He's brought deep pockets to the BC Lions. Not that David Braley didn't, but he's local. He's not afraid to spend money. What's his pregame going to be this coming season? Because he oh, had wow. one Republic. He followed that with LL Cool J. <laughs> and I, yeah. I interviewed him for the latest issue of our Jesso magazine, which I publish. And uh, I said, are you raising the bar again? He goes, oh, yeah. Oh. He, he's not tipping his hat as to who's going to be there. But even that alone, just to bring some big-name entertainment and to see a BC Lions game. And I thought the Grey Cup halftime show with Green Day was spectacular, yeah. by the way. Yeah. He, well, I mean, not only are you looking at the season opener, but look at Grey Cup next yeah. year and what he's going to do with yeah. that. Yeah. And that is yeah. going to be off the hook. And, 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 and one plug for BC Place. Uh, I know they're go- undergoing an extensive renovation now for FIFA. And the concourse to the uh, new suites are being—it's yeah. it's off the charts what they're doing there. So I, as a fan, I'm really looking forward. To yeah, it, for and that—that's sure. I think what a couple of years away. And I know, looking at that month, the Lions will pretty much be on the road because of the World Cup here in Vancouver. But yeah, I mean, you just look at the big picture and how people are excited about this franchise again. It's—it's it's really cool. And guys, I mean, you guys are old enough to remember. There was a time, and you know, I tell some of the young bucks this, and they're like, "What?" There was a time in the city when the Lions were bigger than the Canucks. I, I oh, recall 59,000 people. Yeah. 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 I, spent, I, mean, I spent five years in Toronto, and I remember coming back to, I think it was the Western Final when Sorvin, Murr, Fernandez, and it was hard to get a ticket to BC Place. Yeah. It was hard to get a Lions ticket. And I'm a, I grew up on the CFL. I'm a bigger CFL fan than NFL, right, by, by far. And we used to have Grey Cup parties at our house when I was a kid. Yeah. It's a bigger deal to me. I still watch you know, the NFL, but I'm a, I'm a CFL yeah. born and bred person. But it's nice to see renewed interest. Aaron Chapman, you have a great history of the city of Vancouver. That's your stock in trade. That's, yes. Uh, do you have any cool little knowledge about BC Place or anything well, that, that... Oh, gosh. Well, hey, you know what I'm going to throw you away that yes. blew me away very quickly? Sorry yeah. for interrupting. But no, no, no. Man, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Jason Beck from BC Sports Hall of Fame does a great job of like chronicling yes, this he does. history. Yeah. There were like riots. 
with the Grey Cup in the 60s, oh, and they yeah. were arresting 500 people. <laughs> really? Like, everybody always thinks, like, 1994 and 2011. Yeah. This goes back. back. Yeah. Well, not this only goes we, back to, like, the not 60s. Only did, not only do we have one Grey Cup, right? We had two Grey Cup yeah. rides. You know, like, in the 1960s. They, they, you know, yeah, amazing that... Uh, some of the stories with that. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned some of the uh, you know broadcasters that had influenced you, and just in the terms of the last few years, modern people, and Dan Russell, he's got a, I know he's got a book out now, even of the sports yeah. talk, sort of documenting the sports talk stuff. Were there other, were there other names that you coming up that you, well, was, was that the biggest one, or were there other no, ones? No, there no, been no. so many well, legendary broadcasters in Vancouver. The, the, the ones, the, the guy that I met the first time, and it was a jaw-dropping experience, and then he was so nice, so cordial. Uh, so willing to help out, and even one time uh, sitting in the press box with Jim Robson. Right, I was going right. to say, I thought you were heading there. That yeah, way, yeah. And, and you know, as a kid growing up listening to Jim Robson, and my dad was a huge Habs fan, I'll never forget one game, probably mid-90s, Jim had just retired and he was in the press box, and we're watching the Canadians, and he's sitting beside me. Wow. Right, and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what my dad would be thinking. I lost my dad in... 1983 when I was 19 and I'm thinking to myself what would my dad be thinking well, right he'd now? be very proud of you. Like I'm yeah. sitting like by <laughs> Jim Robson watching his team the Canadians just you know in the press box but the thing is I love about Jim Robson and I really try to take this hurt when I do the play-by-play for the Lions is Jim did such a great job of A painting the picture yeah, but also when you listen to his game guys and I'm sure you guys would attest to this he just had that cadence that you did if you tuned in you would listen to Jim for like 30 seconds, and you already knew what type of game it was. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to tell you the score. If yeah. it was a close game, you could hear the tension in his voice. If it was a blowout, you could kind of like, you know, hear that sag as well. But right. that's the one thing that I loved about Jim Robson was painting the picture and just like just giving you the feel it for It always the game. struck me that Jim retired earlier than he did. But he, I, people forget he'd been around for a long oh, yeah. time too. But people it, don't realize he did the Lions. He did the Mounties, and yeah. he did the Canucks all at the same time. Yeah. One year he did all three. Jeez. Wow. Um, Moj, um, are you allowed to be a fan as a play-by-play guy, or are you supposed to be objective? I, I think you're allowed to be a fan if you're if you're calling the home team. Well, you know, it's a great point that you make because our producer, Mike Whittingham, on the Lions broadcast, he always goes nuts on Julio because Julio, Julio Caravetta, I'm speaking, of course, of course yeah. and, of course, Julio played quarterback for the Lions. And he'll be like, Julio will say we sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And Mike, like, during the break, you can't say we. I'm like, Mike, he played for the team. He can say we. I can't say we, but he can. Yeah. He's right? very that, good, too. That's my rule. Yeah, he yeah. does a tremendous He's job. Great. He's just a great human being. But, you know, sometimes you get caught up a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I grew up a Lions fan, right, So and a Canucks fan. And I want to see these teams do well. And the other thing, too, that happens is you develop relationships with a lot of the players and coaches. So you like these people, and you want them to do well, right? So it, are we objective? Um, I think there's a really big there's a big difference between what you hear and see in the U.S. and what you hear and see in Canada. I think in Canada we're more we're supposed to be more neutral in terms of our calls, whereas in the U.S. it's like it's a totally different animal, right? I mean, it's like if you're bleeding team colors on air. If yeah. somebody if somebody blows a call or somebody blows a play or just it just does something dumb. Are you allowed to call it out? Do you get any repercussions from the Lions after the fact about, hey, no. Moj, you're a little hard on so-and-so? No. No? No. Well, I, I, I should say yes and no. Um, in terms of calling the game, uh, I think we're fair. And as long as you're fair and you're not personal, I don't think there's any issues. Um, however, there was a time this year where I was extremely critical of the CFL stats package, which was a complete foobar all year long. And um, I was just – I wasn't reprimanded. I was just – Told that reminded, reminded, <laughs> and it wasn't like it was a, a, a real 
hardcore conversation. It was just like, okay, you, you had your say, and Referees you know, right, a big thing rightfully yeah. so, yeah. you could have like you know your yeah. say one time, and we'll leave it at that, right? So you know, and after that, I kind of took in, it in, easy. In, on in, them. in the NFL right now, referees is is the is the entire. Uh, topic of conversation on all these shows and podcasts I listen to, you know, how horribly they're doing and how many how many calls that they've blown. Oh, but, yeah, I mean, we but, were, we were I, I can tell you right now, we were, some games, extremely critical of the refereeing. In fact, I had, so it's funny, one of the games this year, I think it was in Winnipeg, I dropped a BS, like I went Larshide. <laughs> yep. I was like, that call was, you know, and yeah. I didn't say BS, I yeah. used the yeah. full word. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sometimes you get caught up in the emotion of it all, but yeah. I think it's real, right? So if it's real... That's what it is. And people enjoy that. And do you express disappointment if, like, again, the team's been on a pr- pretty good roll yeah. of late, but that hasn't always been the case. Are, do you, can you, or do you have to just sort of find the energy to find the positive, even if the game's a piece of garbage? No, I mean, to me, that uh, I'm not going to do that, right? I'm not going to sit there and try to put lipstick on a pig. And yeah. trust me, we went through it when we had the Devon Claybrooks era, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, in that instance, you just call it, like I said, you just call it the way you see it. And, if there's no energy there, there's no energy there for a reason. And it goes back to what I talked about, like with Jim Robson, right? I mean, when you listen to Jim Robson do a game, I mean, uh, I remember games where the Canucks were getting blown out by the Habs as a kid, and he wasn't, hey, well, it's a great game. You know, hey, you know. and there are certain broadcasts where a team loses 45-10, to 10 and they'll spend 20 minutes of the postgame show talking about the field goal and the touchdown that they got. I, yeah. I, I remember an, an era, a buddy of mine was coming into town from Toronto. It was a Friday night, the Canucks and the Coliseum days. Frank Caprice was director of media relations at the Frank time. Frank Caprice, wow. And a buddy of mine, it's Friday night, I said, do you want to catch a Canuck game? He goes, can you get tickets? I said, yeah, I can get tickets. So I called up Frank Caprice for a pair of tickets. He goes, you want four? I go, no, 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 two, two, two is good. And there was maybe 8,500 people in the Coliseum. Yeah. It was just, it was during the abysmal, Late 80s. Late 80s. Right just before the abysmal period. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We have only begun to scratch the surface of the Moj, a deeper dive when we continue with the chat room at Tyrant Studios. Those dreams you've been chasing across the Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance to Paris, Frankfurt, and London car shows. They've come home to West Coast Dream Machines in West Van. Come see a carefully curated collection of luxury, muscle, classic, rare and exotic dream machines. Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati. From late model to 60s. In-house leasing and financing to make your dreams come true faster. The chase is over. West Coast Dream Machines. WCDreamMachines.com. 778-606-FAST. Our cars are faster. You're listening to The Chat Room at Tyrant Studios downtown, and this is Sportsnet 650 AM, 96.9 FM, HD3. The Chat Room is presented by West Coast Dream Machines on Clyde Avenue in West Vancouver. West Coast Dream Machines is Vancouver's supercar dealership, offering pre-owned luxury muscle, classic, and rare and exotic vehicles with in-house leasing available. It's a carefully curated collection of premium rides, exotic cars, luxury vehicles, resto mods, and modified muscle cars all shipped worldwide they carry the finest lines like ferrari maserati lamborghini and mclaren check out their extensive collection at wcdreammachines.com now back to the chat room and again your hosts joe leary danny filipponi and aaron chapman and we are back the chat room at tyrant studios from the penthouse in downtown vancouver joe leary danny filipponi aaron chapman Broadcasting on Sportsnet 650 AM, 96.9 FM, HD3. It's powered by 
Terramana tequila, the Rocks tequila. It's smooth, it's smooth. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm going to try some right now. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to try some right now. Also powered by Wild Eye Brewing in North Vancouver. Ooh, that's nice. One of the best places to wait out the uh, delays when you're trying to cross the Iron Workers <laughs> Memorial. That's a good way of looking at it. And that. also Forbidden Vancouver Walking Tours. Now, part of your stock and trade, Aaron, is history of Vancouver. We're going to get into it in a moment. But we're back with part two of the Moe. Yeah, Bob Marjanovic. Uh, by the way, Aaron's going through that tequila pretty good. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's <laughs> pretty smooth. It's not now, just for breakfast anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, you're a longtime CFL guy. Uh, did you ever have any encounter with Dwayne Johnson along no. the way? No. no. He was um, a Calgary Stampeder, correct? Well, I did have an encounter with a very famous CFL alum, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. X-Raider, by yeah. the way. Yeah. 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 Carl Weathers played here um, in the mid-'70s before, of course, became Apollo Creed and all that. I saw Carl Weathers in San Francisco uh, when I was down there, when we were down there for the Super Bowl a few years ago, and he was just, like, walking along the pier, and I just bumped into him. and. Yeah. Bobby Ackles had passed because he'd asked about Bobby, and I just talked about, you know, Bobby just passing recently. And, yeah, it was uh, just had a very brief conversation with him, but talked about, you know, about the Lions and all that. And he had a good smile about it, big chuckle. So, yeah. Well, one thing, when we were putting this show together and we decided to have you on as our initial guest, uh, I've always had the greatest deal of respect for you. I consider myself a pretty good schmoozer. I, I think I am. But you, you take schmoozing to a whole other level. And you've been doing Super Bowls for how many years now? Well, first one was in 2000. The only one that I missed, well, we missed two. One we missed because of COVID, and the other one I missed was when my mom was ill and unfortunately passed away a couple of weeks after the game. So I'm glad I actually did stay. So, yeah, since 2000, so what's a 23? So I guess this would be number 20, 22. 22. Wow. And yeah. the first time you went to a Super Bowl, you were probably the new kid on the block and mm-hmm. got treated with no respect. Mm-hmm. And you gradually, through time, you know how to glad hand and shake yeah. and kiss babies and bring smoked salmon and cigars. Yeah. And you work your way up. So where are you now on Radio Row and Super Bowl? Well, I mean, we're still in the same place. I mean, in terms of where we're at, in terms of exceeding, like it's not like we have this huge set or studio or whatever. But it's just, you know, you know people, right? And you know the lay of the land. You know the handlers. You know the personalities. And as a result, um, you do wind up getting um, certain guests that other stations don't. And, you know, a lot of people always say, well, how do you get so-and-so? Well, how do you get so-and-so? Well, it's just developing those relationships over the years. And I'll tell you what, guys, it's a little thing, a little piece of smoked salmon or, or a cigar. But that goes such a long way yeah. in terms of people remembering you and people saying hey thank you for appreciate what you did right and i'll never forget one time and danny would like this richard seymour who played for the raiders at the time but it was with the patriots hall of fame defensive lineman and he was leaving and said hey richard you got a couple of minutes it's like four or five o'clock things are starting to thin out and he's like no he says i gotta see my lady friend back at the thing but i'll be back tomorrow I said hey here's some smoked salmon for you i said love to have you on tomorrow Next day, Richard Seymour shows up at, like, noon, and now you've got, like, everybody and their dog coming up to him and, like, hey, Richard, can you do our show in Chicago? Can you do Detroit? And he's, like, they're literally, like, trying to get him to do each show. And he goes, no, no. He goes, i got to do these guys first from <laughs> nice. Vancouver. Yeah. And he comes down and sits wow. down with us, and we get, like, 15 minutes with Richard Seymour. i, I, so. I got to give uh, Moja. Uh, I go to the Raiders game in the in Allegiant Stadium, and, and they're uh, uh, – go-to guy is of course JT the Brick my guy and uh, JT the Brick is uh, like Greg Papa one of the voice of the Raiders and um, yeah. I always take uh, time to go over and shake JT Brick's hand and say hi from Vancouver he knows now first thing he always says is say hi to the Boge yeah. say hi to the Boge wow. yeah. when I say Vancouver he says Boge it's really yeah. incredible uh, right? JT and I go back a long ways he's a yeah. good man very and, uh, impressed he's that's a really cool. good you know a little JT the Brick side story so how about you know here we are in Vancouver we've been dying dying 
to get a Stanley Cup win, right? Mm. So JT grew up in Long Island. In grade nine, the Islanders brought the Stanley Cup to a school, right? How cool is that? Yeah. Wow. They did it in grade 10, 11, and 12 as well. <laughs> Think about that. Four years in a row, boom, here's the yeah. Stanley Cup at your school. So it hasn't been touring any Vancouver schools. Yeah. <laughs> no, it hasn't. Yeah. Well, maybe, but like 1908 or yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of hockey, got to ask you, uh, Roberto Luongo, Ring of Honor, or should that have been a jersey retirement? <laughs> I have a differing opinion than most, and uh, it, it all boils down to your criteria. Right, my criteria for jersey retirements is: Do you identify that player a, as a member of your team? And the other one that I have is, I mean, of course, level of excellence. We, I mean, that's a no-brainer. But um, when you ask for a trade from an organization, to me, that indicates that just to me personally, that that's just like a big red flag for a jersey retirement, right? I mean, I'm not. I think Pavel Burry is the most exciting player to put on a Canuck uniform, and he's up there, and I'm not in agreement with that either. Like, you know, for me, you have to identify with that team. You have to bleed those colors, whether it was a Stan Smeal or a Trevor Linden, right? Those are the type of players to me that deserve that honor. And it's different. I mean, everybody has their own criteria, right? I mean, there are people that look at Roberto's situation and, you know, they feel that he was extremely loyal to the organization. Things happened and, you know, they had to move on. So, you know, I can understand that argument as well. But like I said, for me, it just it just boils down to, do you identify with that player and did he bleed the colors of that team. No ifs, ands, or buts. And for me, unfortunately for Roberto, he doesn't. So, Aaron Chapman, uh, you conduct tours along with Danny Filipponi of uh, historic penthouse because there's good, bad, and ugly in the in the history of this Amazing building. history here, yeah. Amazing history. Um, not all of it good, nope. we should, we should yeah. mention. But you lovingly poke fun at that. You're not afraid to say, yeah, there's been some darkness in this in these hallowed halls over the years. Yeah, we, we created the this tour, uh, I think, Aaron, what, t- 10 years ago? Jeez, maybe longer. And, yeah, it, now, and yeah. we named it Secrets of the Penthouse, and we brought uh, Aaron on board and, and this Forbidden Vancouver. And we also have now two retired police officers that come on every tour, and these police officers used to actually arrest my father back in the day, and now we've become very good friends. But Aaron, I mean, we've been doing well, it's, it for it, yeah. It's, it's not just we just it's not just about the Pentos, these tours. It's about Vancouver in, in general, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of stepping back in time to to look at what nightclub life and and the entertainment the entertainment scene was like back then too, and as well as the sports scene. There's been so many sports figures. Uh, that have been through here, and that's something I'm always interested and fascinated about. It was a few years back, you used to see or hear those stories of, you know, Lucic going to the Roxy and stuff like that, and getting into trouble and whatnot. I don't know if that seems. To, I don't know if things have changed with athletes. Maybe they're a little bit more uh, discreet now about oh, where they go. It's, it's, it's has, totally different. Yeah, yeah there's it, way less Roxy uh, stories coming out. I can mm-hmm. tell yeah, you that or, for sure. But, right? but Danny, you, you, I, I know you have people coming here at the Penos Sports. We do, and and and, the and you handle it in a different way. Don't we you? do. It's sort of funny the way I, I grew up here my whole life. My dad always sort of taught me when a celebrity comes in here, you know, just sort of treat them like normal people. And it's tough to do because everyone's got cell phones nowadays. So the first mm-hmm. time a celebrity walks in, Russell Crowe comes in here, you get snap, snap, snap. It's on the internet. It's on the Instagram within 10 minutes. Yeah. But I really have instructed my staff over the last 20, 25 years just to really lay low. And they've done most part. I mean, we get sports celebrities coming here all the time. All the time. So and it, I don't, we, we just don't let it get out. Yeah, it's interesting so how you handle it. Right when now. the Moj comes in with a wig and dark Moj, glasses, you leave them alone, is <laughs> that? Is Moj has his own <laughs> reserve table here. Yeah. He's in witness relocation at that point. Yeah. Wow, listen to you guys. <laughs> but but no, it, it is true. The, the the whole dynamic of the sports and the and the stars going out right after yeah, a game. Like I, I remember 
Joe, you might remember these days. I'm talking like the 90s, so I was like 30, whatever, at the time. And You would go to – Canucks would play on a Tuesday night, and this was back then where a lot of teams would still fly commercial. So teams would stay overnight mm. Tuesday night and then fly out Wednesday morning. So Tuesday night at the Roxy, you would have the Canucks, say, whoever they played. And then what would happen is that team that played in Calgary or Edmonton that flew in would go to the Roxy because they wouldn't play the Canucks till Thursday. It would be like Jamboree night. Yeah. I remember one night the Canadians, the Penguins, and the Canucks all had like players in, in the Roxy, right? right? I mean, it was crazy. And you're right. I mean, athletes today – um, it's a totally different animal because of what we see in terms of social media. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing, too, guys, let's not forget the amount of money that they're making. Oh, course, yeah. How dedicated they are to the craft. It, it's changed. I mean, you know, you talk about the Canucks, and we talk about Greg Douglas, and I know talking to Greg back in the day as we look at the, the picture of the, the, the Peelers downstairs that went on the ice during a Canuck game in the 70s. <laughs> That's yeah. a great story. Yeah. But, you know, Back then, Greg would run around town basically being like a fixer. Yeah. You know, oh, this one, here, here's a couple of tickets. Sorry about the guys, you know, getting in trouble last night at the bar. Here's a couple. Of, and Greg would literally be a fixer sometimes, yeah. right? You don't see that now because the game has totally changed. And, yeah. You know, the players involved have totally changed the money. I remember one Tuesday night. I used to be a DJ at the Roxy years ago. And I remember uh, the Oilers were in town on a Tuesday. They were playing the Canucks on the Wednesday. And as I'm leaving the bar after staff drinks, after the bar closes, this is about 3 o'clock, and I remember a certain Oiler forward double-fisting Coors Lights at about 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm listening to the game the next night, and Larshad is going, I don't know what's going on here, Jimmy, but <laughs> he's missing a step tonight. I'm thinking, maybe it's the double-fisting well, Coors so Lights at 3 o'clock. <laughs> Roxy flew, right? Yeah, yeah. Roxy oh, flew. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about that legendary shot because there's one that's on the walls here. This was a couple of streakers that jumped on the ice during a Canuck game. Aaron? It, it was 1973, I think February 73, if my memory's correct. Um, we had heard this story that there was this incident where there were these streakers that well, went out in, in the middle in, of the ice in, 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 in research for the book that you wrote. Yeah. So uh, Aaron Aaron penned uh, a book called Liquor, Lust, and the Law. One of many books w- one of one of, one of many. <laughs> this was his first and be- went on to become a BC bestseller, still is, and won lots of prizes, and you name it. But this one photo um, that we discovered, uh, we discovered many photos, but this one photo never existed according to the media. Well, this was an urban legend had talked about, yeah. so we couldn't verify it at first. And then this photo had turned up in the files of, of your uncle and your, your dad, yeah. uh, and there it was. And I guess, if I if I understand this I know, Danny, you went to the game, yeah. but you saw the game, Moses. Also, yeah, Hockey Night in Canada. It was a Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. 1973. Yeah. Saturday night, and that was back in the day when... The only time you'd see the Canucks was on Saturday. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And I guess what had happened is that between Mary Kitterveta, Greg Douglas, somebody down at the, at the Coliseum, in connection with Joe, your uncle, Joe Filipponi, uh, staged this incident. Of course, this goes back to the era of streaking in the 1970s. Maybe if, if you're a, a younger person now. You, do today's you kids grow, know what streaking is? I don't know if they do. I, they do, yeah. They okay. they're, I think they're aware of it, but it doesn't happen. Doesn't, it's not something you can no. see all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And there used to be streakers at the Oscars. There was streakers yeah. at ball games. Morgana the Kissing Bandit. Morgana the yeah. Kissing Bandit, another version of it. Maybe yeah. more, uh, a more good-natured version of it because he just went up and kissed balls, baseball yeah. players. Yeah. Um, but uh, right in the middle of the game, uh, these three girls – threw off their over... Well, Dan, you should pick up the story. Well, no, because I was 10 years old. I was being driven out to the Canuck game by my uncle in, in his big Cadillac, and I'm 10 years old. I'm going to school the next morning yeah. at 7, 30, 8 o'clock, and I'm sitting next to three ladies wearing fur mink coats. But at this time, it, it meant nothing to me. I'm, go Canucks, go. Yeah. But we're sitting in the seats. I remember sitting 20 rows up, and these girls, ladies, get up from their seats. They leave me sitting there literally by myself, and they go down the stairs, and I'm watching. I'm almost standing up at this point, and their fur 
fur coats now dropped to the floor and somebody undid the gate where the Zamboni's coming out. And I'm, my mouth, I'm, like, I'm sort of catching on what's going on. Your now. uncle pieced off the Zamboni guy. And these, and these ladies decided not during a commercial break. They wanted to do it during, during an actual play. Yeah. And there it was. The play was going on. These girls put these little shoes on so they wouldn't fall. And they streaked across the ice, stopped the whole game, disallowed a goal. Yes, I believe the the, the New York goal. Goal. yeah, had got caught that and they... the photo that we have here that's also in the book and in the club. It really is one of the most looked after photos, and I know people have done stories on just it, the photo it, itself. So, yeah, it's been it's been featured in, in so many news stories since then, since we found it. And it's interesting because the night that happened, Greg Douglas filled us in, who was working PR uh, at the Canucks at the time, and he said the NHL in New York, the brass went ballistic yep. and said, find all the photographers, pull all the film out of their cameras, get rid of everything if you can. There was a, it was a huge issue. He thought he was going to get fired the next day. And uh, this one photo managed to sneak out, I guess. It, it, and at halftime, I believe after the first period. Oh, yes. Well, that's the thing. They, you know, I think the Canucks were down two goals, and they said, you know, Babe Pratt was, was, was color at that time and said, any, any highlights, you know, so far tonight, Babe? And he goes, well, not so much, not looking so good for the Canucks tonight. But let's look at that. Let's look at those streakers again. <laughs> so they played the clip again. Now on the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, as I understand it, and you have to confirm this because you were watching it, is the camera pulled back, so you didn't see the close-up that you saw. Quite a lot of details that you see in the photo, but the very first shot, if I remember, there it was like it was the, the wide shot that you see for the play-by-play. Sure, it wasn't like they zoomed in. No, um, but yeah, I, I do remember it. I, mean, I remember it. Watching as a kid, I'm going, holy. And then, you know, the funny thing is, is Tracy Pratt, Babe's kid, was on the bench, you know, and and Tracy, or when Babe actually went on air, he talked about, oh, Tracy had a good look or something like that, right? So, yeah, it was crazy because Babe had this big, huge grin on his face oh. during the, the intermission. It was uh, it was quite well, the Well, it's, it's so funny. To, if you look at the photo and you see the people in the stands, because this is the, the, the version that's printed in the book and that hangs on the wall of the penthouse today, you could see the de- – and there's some of the, the, the faces of – well, particularly the Islanders. There's one guy, one player, there's leering like he's – this is the greatest thing he's seen all game. And, and, and then there's you get some people in the audience who are jaws literally dropped, and they can't believe what they're seeing. It's 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 like we, we've a cartoon had, We've had coaches and players over the years come in and and look at the photo. Oh, it's yeah, really it's a, cool it's, to it's see. An amazing amazing story. Yeah, Bob, I've got to ask you about you. Twenty two Super Bowls in. Are are you going to this one? Yes, you are. Okay. Nice. Are you able to catch the halftime shows where you where you're seated? Yeah, but you know what? The, it, you're so far away, right? right? I mean, it's it's like the first few years we had lower bowl seating, and like the last few years, the auxiliary press is now gone up to the upper bowl so it's not like you have like great seats but you can hear it you can see it I anything mean, anything impress you over the years that really sticks you too out? you too to wow. me um it was the first super bowl after 9-11 yeah. it was in the super a uh, superdome in new orleans and they sang beautiful day and as they sang beautiful day they had all the names of the victims of 9-11 mm. scroll oh, nice, up yeah. wow the yeah. side of the the, the, uh, the stadium and then you know, kind of disappear through the Have you had a chance to, to check out the Sphere in Las Vegas? No. I've I, heard I, it's amazing. I, I drove by it. I looked at it. It's the most incredible yeah. thing I've ever seen. You two's got the residence oh, there. Yeah. It's supposed to be yeah. just, uh, I just, all the and, reading I'm and, doing. And any video I've seen, yeah. uh, everybody says, this doesn't do it justice. No. It's like Vegas. If you've never been to Vegas, you've seen Vegas in movies a hundred times. It looks impressive. It's nothing until you're standing on the strip. You no, go, it's oh, a, my it's God. A ga- it's a game changer yeah, it in, is, in yeah. entertainment. Musical yeah. highlights from all those Super Bowls. I'll just throw this one in. Um, number one was meeting Shania Twain one year at a press conference. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was a huge fan, and I brought a CD. This is how long ago it was. It was I think it was Tampa way back when. And anyway, 
said, hey, got time for fellow Canadian. She was so nice, so sweet, personalized little <laughs> autograph wow. CD. Um, but a real cool thing happened a few years ago. Um, we were at the Wheels Up party Saturday morning. And I see this guy's got a South Carolina jacket on. We start chatting. And I said, you play football at South Carolina. And we had some guys that played with the BC Lions, Justin Sorensen at the time. And he goes, no, he says, uh, play baseball. I go, oh, really? So what's your name? He goes, Jackie Bradley, Jr. And I'm like, Jackie Bradley, Jr., like World Series champion, Red Sox, Jackie Bradley, Jr., center fielder. He goes, yeah. So the funny thing is, is we're talking about what he's going to do that night. He didn't really have a, a plan of, you know, anything, what was going on. So I phoned a friend of mine who's a VIP concierge. She goes, well, hell, because the manager of the Foo Fighters is a huge Red Sox fan. And he goes, I'll get you guys backstage passes. So I get back to Jackie. I go, hey, do you want to go to the Foo Fighters? <laughs> I just got backstage passes. They had four. We had five passes. He had four in his party. And he's like, hey, do you want to come with us? I'm like, okay. Right? So tag along. Got to meet Dave Grohl after the concert, nice. which was pretty cool. Before... Yeah. I'm sitting there. I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name. It'll come to me eventually. But the manager of the Foo Fighters were sitting there ta- uh, talking with Jackie. And there's a gentleman that's getting his picture taken with this individual. And the guy looks at me and goes, do you know who that is? I go, I'm sorry. I don't. He goes, that's Roger Taylor from Queen. Oh, wow. He goes, you wow. should go, go get your picture taken <laughs> with him as well. And Roger Taylor was there and got my picture taken with Roger. It's on my Instagram account at The Real Moj if you want to take a look. But the cool thing was is Roger Taylor's there. And then he came out and he played a set. With the Foo Fighters at the Direct TV party, it was wow. and he played under pressure. It was amazing, just an electric atmosphere, so cool. So now, speaking of which, terrific. the parties that surround Super Bowl, yeah, what's what's been the one that's just off the charts that comes? Like, all the corporate sponsors probably have yeah. an event that they do. Anything really impress you in terms of the Direct TV parties have been pretty awesome. They've been on Saturday night. Um, you know, the one you were in New York, we we went to that, and it was. Jay Z, and then halfway through the concert, Beyonce came out. Okay. One, one yeah. time it was Rihanna, Foo Fighters, as we mentioned. One time it was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Another time Snoop Dogg was there. Um, so those are usually, I don't even know if they have direct TV parties anymore, but back in the day, those were the ones that always had the big ticket item. And the other one that we always go to, and because they're good friends of ours, is the Ron Jaworski Mike Ditka Cigar Party, which is an awesome, awesome Jaws. Yeah, yeah, it's a great time. Wow. What um, this year is where? John Silva. That's the name of okay. the Foo Fighters Vegas. manager. It's in Las Vegas. It's, it's in, oh, it's in Vegas. Yeah. Okay. So right. there will be and no shortage of entertainment there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, it's going to yeah. be. I. It's, it's going to be crazy. I'm going to need your hookups down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, may not mean much. Uh, it's going to be a real party down there. Well, yeah. you and I have interviewed people over the years, countless times. And I got I got a couple on my a hole list. What What do you have? Do you have anybody that sticks out that you're not afraid to out as being a bit abrasive or just a pain in the ass? Warren Sap. Warren Sap. Like you know he. Had this big persona of how he was this likable teddy bear type guy, and then of course we all saw what happened with Warren Sapp. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's probably the one that kind of really sticks out. Mike Tice wasn't a favorite, the former coach of the Vikings, and, and just a small incident that I remember. But he walked by, and it was kind of like there was like three or four producers that were trying to to get him on, and he just he didn't even say, "Hey guys, sorry, I'm busy. I can't." Mike Tice. Yeah, he just like to, yeah. blew right by him. Didn't even acknowledge him. And to me, that was like just really rude and kind of, you know, kind of like condescending. At least treat people with a little respect and dignity. But the one that I saw that it just, I just kind of went and warned Sap. I mean, and you know, we all saw what happened with him. So the proof's in the pudding. Aaron Chapman, you've been in the around the music industry a long time. Any, anybody you care to jump on the well, hate train it with? Makes me, it makes me, your comment makes me think of, um, you know, when you, I wanted to ask you, when you're interviewing people, you probably interview some very big stars today. But like me, in my time playing in bands and whatnot, if I meet somebody that's a huge 
big star today or Katy Perry or something like this at a big show. Wow, it's a big star, you know. But it's not as big to me as it's if when you meet somebody that used to maybe follow when you were younger. Oh, yeah. And that's when you get, I, I, geez, I can even in a, in a sports sense, I remember one time at the uh, Canucks game they announced, folks, between periods, uh, Richard Brodeur is going to be down at uh, gate, you know, 30 or something, talking, saying hi to fans um, with, uh, I think, Mola May or something like that that was down there or somebody else. And no, t- t- uh, Tony Tanti, that's who it was. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I'll go down. I'll go to check that out, you know, on, on a period. And I went down, and there was a huge line. I immediately smiled because it was all guys my age. Of course. That would have been about 12, you know, in that, that Stanley Cup run in 80, 81, 82, would have, I guess it would have been. And, uh, and I, I was kind of starstruck, shaking his hand, because I suddenly was back to my 12-year-old self thinking of how much I was a huge, you know, fan of Richard Brodeur, King Richard at the time, you know. And uh, so it's like that today, music in the music world, that times I'm at shows or backstage and stuff like that. If it's somebody huge today, it's like, oh, wow, okay, that's so-and-so. But if it's somebody that I used to follow or, or a band that I used to listen to all their records when I was a teenager, wow, it's kind of quite, quite something, yeah. Guy Lafleur. There you go. When I was a kid growing up, my yeah. dad was a huge Habs fan. I liked the Canucks. We literally had wars to the point where I'd watch the game downstairs. He'd watch it upstairs. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. And, and, like, you know, we would get it. There would be, like, serious arguments. Um, and it was – and you got to remember when the Canucks entered the league in 1970, they didn't beat the Canadians. They beat them in a playoff game in 74-75. That was the only time they beat the Canadians. They never beat them in the regular season until, like, 1978 or 79. Wow. And, and that's back then when they played like four or six times right. against each other during the course of the year because of a smaller amount of teams. So Guy Lafleur was doing a tour of Canada. He was doing like a men's health awareness type tour. And he stopped by our studios when we were at the Black Tower at Mojo 730. And, you know, interviewed him. And, you know, kind of it was a pinch me moment because, like, you know, I'm thinking to myself again, you know, we're talking about your da- I'm talking about my dad here. And I'm like. Well, my dad would be thinking right now. Interview yeah. Guy Lafleur, and I told Guy the story about how my dad and I would, you know, butt heads and we'd watch games in different rooms, and you know, he said, "Oh, sorry about that." A couple <laughs> weeks later, I get a little Manila envelope in the mail, autograph, glossy Guy Lafleur puck, little let, little note. Hey, sorry for causing you so much grief <laughs> in your childhood. Hope that this kind of takes care of, smooths things over, or whatever. It's just a really nice touch by a really nice man. I had a, wow. had a similar experience uh, when I was at 1040. I was filling in on 103.5 in the morning, and Bobby Orr was coming into the station to mm-hmm. 1040 th- that morning. And an email went out. Bobby's very cooperative. He'll pose for pictures. Don't bring stuff for him to sign. He's not going to sign jerseys and pucks and all that sort of stuff. He says he has his own autographed pictures. So when he comes into the studio, I'm talking to him. He goes, damn, he goes, I'm out of photos. I'm so sorry. He goes, do me a favor. Can you get a list of anybody that wanted an autographed picture, and I'll make sure you get them. So he gives me his address. He goes, send it to me here. And sure enough, there's about 30 or 40 people in the building that wanted and expected an autographed photo of Bobby Orr. I get a couriered package about a week and a half later, a big stack of photos, including one to me. And I'm just thinking, what a classy guy. And again, you put yourself back in when I was a young kid. I'm talking to Bobby Orr. Like, this is Bobby Orr. Well, it's it's funny because we interviewed Bobby one time at the uh, Giants tournament at uh, Tawasson Springs. And he was a guest of, of Ron Toygo and company. And, you know, Barry, Barry McDonald and Don Taylor were, were doing the afternoon show at the time. And I know just for those two guys, it was kind of one of 
pinch it for especially for Barry. I remember Barry going like, "Wow!" Yeah. Like, I mean, and I and, and, and there's always the, right? that instant when I'm when I'm working here at the club, when a celebrity will come in, and I I've idolized them, I've looked up to them, and you've always get that tinge of, "Oh my God, I hope this guy turns out to be mm-hmm. yeah. good." And one example is Marcus Allen from the Raiders. You know, yeah. Being a Raider fan, yeah. I had the opportunity to meet him, and we actually became friends, and we still keep in contact. He comes to Vancouver, he drops by to see me. If he would have turned out to be something other than what I thought. It maybe would have changed my whole opinion yeah. <laughs> on the Oakland Raiders moving forward, but he didn't. And, and to that day, yeah. I always, because as you were saying, you know, you have these theories of how people should be and are be, whether it's a movie star or a sports star. And, and a great Canadian connection with Marcus and Damon, of course, yeah, Damon and, Allen, and, his brother, and, right? And Damon Next Allen. time you talk to talk to Marcus, ask him, are you guys still playing football against the Kirkendalls? Boy. So they were, like, they were growing up in San Diego. Damon told me the story, Marcus told me that, like, the Allens are like several brothers, and yep. the Kirkendalls are a bunch of brothers that live down the street. So literally, when they played football on Sundays, it would be the Allens versus the Kirkendalls. Like, those are some of the biggest games they played. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> when, when, when Damon was playing for the BC Lions, quarterbacking for the Lions, yeah. Marcus had never been to a CFL game. He came to Vancouver. He sat with me and my dad. The three of us were nice. sitting in our seats. And uh, a camera caught him, and so they threw him up on the big screen. That sort of buggered everything up, so he was spotted. He's cheering. He's asking me the rules of the CFL. Yeah. Why is there yeah. a safety? What do you mean a single point? So the game, and he found it. Dame had a great game. The Lions won. At the end of the game, uh, instead of going up through the concourse, we walked down, and Mark says, I want to go see my brother. So he jumped over. That's a big drop yeah. down to the bottom. Oh, yeah. And Marcus feet, got it. So I followed him. We've got to, got to go with Marcus. So I followed him. I jumped down on the field, and as we're running uh, towards the end zone, fans start seeing him and are cheering him. And when he got to about the five-yard line, he made a head fake <laughs> to get to the end zone. So we end up going in the tunnel, and we're waiting for his brother to come out. And who, who walks out? Merm Fernandez. Well. And this was the year that the Raiders had drafted Mervyn Fernandez to go to the to go to the lot to hit the Raiders the next year. So I was the one I actually grabbed Mervyn Fernandez and said, Mervyn, Marcus, Marcus, Mervyn, you'll be teammate next year. And it wow. was really cool because he ended up uh, being teammate. You know, it, it's interesting you mentioned someone just came back. Reggie Jackson, when I was a kid, I was a huge Yankee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Reggie was at a Grizzly game one night. He was in town doing some stuff for EA. And I've Talked to him prior to the, the game, and I said, hey, do you mind if I kind of grab you? Can, you know, get a couple of quotes, whatever, do a story. He goes, yeah, talk to me at the end of the game. I'm like, okay. So the game ends. He had, like, courtside seats, and I walked across. Back then, we had the, the media seating. Uh, the press row was, like, just a couple of rows behind the bench. So I walk over, and I'm going to try to grab Reggie Jackson, right? He said, talk to me after the game. He puts his hands on, like, his security <laughs> guy, and, like, they're jogging to the tunnel, right? I'm like, Reggie, uh, no, no, i got to go. And I'm like, this is not Yankee Stadium in 1978 after you've won the World Series and the crowd has stormed the field. Half the people here probably don't even know who you are, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got his guy's hands on yeah, his buddy's yeah. shoulders and they're jogging off. And that is not an unusual story about an unpleasant Reggie Jackson, I, I might add. Moj, a couple of loaded questions before we let you go. How does the Canucks season end? Mm. What's your prediction? They'll make the playoffs. Uh, I think they will be extremely competitive, maybe even win a round. We'll see what happens in the second, but... It's a team that I really believe in Rick talking. I mean, the more uh, I, I'm around this guy, the more I talk to him. Uh, did a great piece, by the way. Black Press uh, will have this um, talking Rick talking about practice and just, you know, his philosophy. You're not talking about the game. You're talking no, about No, we're talking about practice. Gun Iverson here. And just talking about his philosophy. And, but for, for Rick, practice is so huge because it, it, it's the place where you start developing the habits that give you success in games, right? So uh, I love what he's doing and just the accountability. I mean, you know – They'll win games, and recently, you know, J.T. Miller, after a game, said, hey, 
we weren't good enough tonight. I mean, yeah. we only played 15 minutes because we weren't that good. So the accountability there, the mm-hmm. the process, the even kill, you know, he talks about earning it every day. I love what he's doing. So the Canucks would not be having the season they're having had Boudreaux still been at the helm. I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Rourke, what's his future in the NFL? Wow. Um, Is he going to get a shot? No. I, and I he's hate to say it no. because it, in the NFL, it's all about pedigree, right? It's where you're drafted. Um, it's and then you know you look at the parameters that they have for each position. Oh, you got to be six four. You got to be two thirty. You got to run a four four forty. You got to have to you know. And he just doesn't fit that physical mold of what they want for a quarterback. And number two, you got to realize that every year there's another twenty or thirty college quarterbacks that are coming in. Right. The net, if, I guarantee you this: if the Jacksonville Jags draft a quarterback this off season between Lawrence, they're not going to dump Bethard. And Nathan Rourke's time might be short. Just in close before Moj uh, steps out, um, the one thing I, I will say with the success of the Canucks and the Lions, and I know Aaron, you know, being Vancouver downtown guys, man, oh man, does this ever help the bars and the restaurants and the pubs? I we already see. You, you just walk around downtown on, on a game night now, yeah. and even if there's not a game night, if the Canucks aren't even playing, there's fans out watching other teams now because they know it's either yeah. helping or hurting the Canucks. The feeling of them going to the playoffs and that feeling with the BC Lions, we're already seeing it downtown. Yeah. The excitement definitely is coming back. Couldn't think of a better way to launch our new show, the chat room at Tyrant Studios from the Penthouse in downtown room, Vancouver. It is a gorgeous oh. room. Bob Marjanovic, thank you so much. Ladies oh, and gentlemen, the man. Pleasure. Anytime, fellas. Thank this is a lot of fun. I love talking stuff like this. Put this in your map app. 1519 Clyde Avenue. Got it? Now, prepare to be amazed. West Coast Dream Machine Showroom. Specializing in exotic, classic muscle cars and supercars. Feel yourself in the driver's seat of your dream machine. Maybe a late model or vintage classic Ferrari, Lamborghini, or Maserati. Lease and financing options can make it happen. Start dreaming at WCDreamMachines.com. And remember, that red pin of luxury lands at 1519 Clyde Avenue West Van. 778-606-FAST. Our cars are faster. You're listening to The Chat Room at Tyrant Studios downtown, and this is Sportsnet 650 AM, 96.9 FM, HD3. The Chat Room is presented by West Coast Dream Machines on Clyde Avenue in West Vancouver. West Coast Dream Machines is Vancouver's supercar dealership, offering pre-owned luxury muscle, classic, and rare and exotic vehicles with in-house leasing available. It's a carefully curated collection of premium rides, exotic cars, luxury vehicles, resto mods, and modified muscle cars all shipped worldwide they carry the finest lines like ferrari maserati lamborghini and mclaren check out their extensive collection at wcdreammachines.com now back to the chat room and again your hosts joe leary danny filipponi and aaron chapman it is the chat room of Tyrant Studios from the penthouse in downtown Vancouver. Joe Leary, along with Aaron Chapman, Danny Filippone, broadcasting on Sportsnet 650 AM, also at 96.9 FM HD3. And talk a little wrestling, because the show is powered by Terramana Tequila, which was really smooth, nice. Smooth, very smooth. Uh, this is the rock stuff. <laughs> this is this is the rock. Uh, Cobra Kai, who is his alter ego, the wrestling guy. This is a wrestling <laughs> core, or wrestle core. Cobra Kai, we're calling you Cobra Kai, is that correct? Absolutely, and, yes, sir. And, and you're here with the whisk, or with the tequila, which is amazing. How long have you been oh, involved yeah. with this brand? So I, I've been working with Terramana Tequila for about six months now, and i got to tell you, it's probably the most magical six months of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's nice to identify, like, I mean, because, you know, Casamigos, oh, it's George 
George Clooney's thing. Mm-hmm. Terramana, it's it's the rock. Have you encountered the rock? Yeah, so not personally, only like uh, through Zoom calls and things like that. But let me tell you, uh, what a personality this guy. He's just bursting with fruit flavor all over the place. And <laughs> <laughs> like, tequila is a stimulant, so I'd like to think he's kind of fueled by that more sure. than anything else. So you're involved in the wrestling business uh, as a sidelight, or is this your main profession and tequila's on the side? Well, you know, for six years of my life, I was a pro wrestler. Uh, very exciting time in my life. Also very lean part of my life, for sure. Uh, but now here in Vancouver, uh, my lovely wife and I, we produce a very alternative wrestling show called WrestleCore. So it's uh, definitely not your mom's uh, well, wrestling I, show. I, I, wow. I mean, for, for me, I mean, the wrestling in Vancouver is actually really beginning to take off. I know at the Commodore they have wrestling. Had and, for a few years now, right in the middle of the dance floor there, yeah. I mean, I know it's big. I, I've been asked here if we would do it here. I don't think it would go over too well with the... The stage, uh, I don't think we have yeah, quite this. Probably this, not. Probably not. Things yeah. get in the way. If you had some of the dancers wrestling, <laughs> yeah, maybe that, that, that could that's work. how you could work it in. Yeah. But but when I first met you, Steve, and, and you were um, uh, leading us on to Terramana, which is incredible, uh, I asked you, uh, I think, uh, well, how long have you been with the company? And when you sprung the wrestling on me, I have to tell you, I was a little <laughs> flabbergasted. I mean, you looked the part. I just never would have thought, right? Well, I appreciate oh, me. I'm very, very humble about it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully it makes me the most interesting liquor rep that you'll deal with all day. Is, is this costume wrestling? Is this dress up or is this? Yeah, very much the performance style wrestling, like your WWF kind of stuff. Uh, you know, that UFC, so that stuff's fake, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So are, are you a good guy or bad guy or is this? Uh, I am whatever I'm being paid to be that day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's, That's great. Whatever the gig calls for. Uh, we were talking off air about, because uh, I think every guy at some point probably has a bit of a wrestling era that sure. they jumped in. I mean, not, yeah. you know, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan and people like that. That was my first taste of it. And what really bothers me is when someone uses the word fake, the outcome is predicted, but the pain is inflicted. There's no question about That's that. You walk out oh, of the yeah. ring hurt, do you not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like A, a lot of the uh, you know matches are predetermined. Most of them are predetermined. But the physicality of it is very, very real. I can assure you, gravity is very, very real. When you get dropped on your head from that top rope, there's no faking that. You were telling us something about a stat about uh, comparing it to a car uh, yeah. coming to a stop. Tell so us that stat. A few years ago, uh, we did a two-part series on Discovery Channel called Slam Bam, the Science of Wrestling. And me and the other wrestlers were quite shocked and upset at our life choices. <laughs> they told uh, they took out a radar gun, and they measured the impact of those brake balls, like a body slam. Right. And it was the same impact as getting into a car accident from 63 miles per hour to wow. dead stop. And wow. we were all like, whew, yeah. maybe wow. we should have started playing the clarinet or something. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have a, uh, a particular move that's considered your, your go-to move? I know a lot of wrestlers have something. Yeah, I mean, what, what's yours? Yeah, so you know, everyone's got kind of their signature thing. That's yeah. not really about you know, who invented that move first. It's, it's who did it best, right? Yeah. So you got like The Undertaker does a pile driver better than anyone, or Stone Cold does a stunner better than anyone. Me, uh, I'm a little guy. I trained out in Mexico City. I wear a Lucha Libre mask, hence Cobra Kai, wow. and I backflip on people. It's called a moonsault. <laughs> so I'll lay it down. I'll give you a big top rope hug where I'm upside down. But, wow. But I wonder about when you do something like that, until you get good at it, how bad, how much do you suck before you get good at it? Extremely. Yeah. Extremely sucky. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I, uh, I did not get it when I first started. I struggled. Right. I remember the very first time I did that backflip. I climbed up the top rope, trembling like a leaf in the wind, scared, you know, just this. Yeah. Uh, jumped straight up. Spun around, came straight down, smacked my chin on the top turnbuckle, landed on my knees, folded myself up backwards, and uh, didn't know my name for three days. You've got an event coming up at the Rickshaw. Tell us about that. Yes, sir. Yeah, so the Rickshaw Historic Rickshaw Theater right here in Vancouver. I love it. One of my favorite concert venues in the city by far. Uh, The home of WrestleCore. 
January 26th, uh, we're going to destroy wrestling. It is our heavy metal go. opera so punk rock oh live God. action right. danger wrestling. All right, show. Vancouver and area, you have been forewarned. <laughs> Cobra Kai, thanks for joining us. Thanks, brother. Appreciate thanks, you. Cheers. All. Thanks, guys. And we're back in the chat room at Tyrant Studios in downtown Vancouver. This is the premiere episode of our show. And our show, of course, myself, Joe Leary, along with Danny Filipponi and Aaron Chapman. We'll bring some interesting people together. Our sponsors, Terramana Tequila and Wild Eye Brewing. Also, our big thanks to West Coast Dream Machines for all your great luxury pre-owned vehicles on Clyde Avenue and West Van, wcdreammachines.com. Join us for our next episode when our guest will be the legendary Greg Douglas, Dr. Sport. Upcoming shows, we'll also talk with uh, nightclub entrepreneur Gary Taylor and comedian Jeremy Hotz. That and so much more. Our thanks to producer Eddie Gregory. Thanks for listening to The Chat Room at Tyrant Studios on Sportsnet 650. You've been listening to The Chat Room at Tyrant Studios in downtown Vancouver on Sportsnet 650 AM, 96.9 FM, HD3. The Chat Room is presented by West Coast Dream Machines on Clyde Avenue in West Vancouver. It's Vancouver's supercar dealership, offering pre-owned luxury muscle, classic, and rare and exotic vehicles with in-house leasing available. West Coast Dream Machines ship worldwide and only the finest lines of automobiles like Ferrari, Maserati, Lamborghini, and McLaren. Check out their extensive collection at wcdreammachines.com follow the chat room on instagram the chat room tyrant studios the chat room is produced by eddie gregory 